Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the September 11th episode. It is September 10th. It's 9.36. We were supposed to start recording at 9.30. Annika has to leave in 45 minutes. My face is numb from my chin to my eyeball. And I just feel like this is the perfect metaphor (laughs) for this week. Yes, for what is currently life at the moment. For everyone, not just... Tiny windows of time and wrenches thrown everywhere. It's not going to be hard to hear my Novocaine. Yes, that was me a week ago. Props to you for recording a podcast when your face is numb. Yeah, she's like, it's not going to affect your tongue. It's going to be in the back of your mouth. It's not really going to... I can feel it like from the bottom of my chin and my eyelid. I can feel it in my eye. When I told her that like my eyelid was numb, she's like, nah, that shouldn't <laughs> be. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. Just keep <laughs> digging. Do what you have to do. Okay. So we have to cover all of this in a short amount of time. Yep. Small window. We started, mm. we f- end of first Samuel. Yeah. And then into second Samuel. Is it amazing how fast we're like flying we're through these? Flying. Yes. That yeah. hit me again this week. Cause we also finished first Corinthians this week. First Samuel 29 through second Samuel six is what we read today. Oh, yeah, right, for this week. Okay. So at one point I remember looking at something that happened to David and going, is this, was this a turning point for him? Oh, here, I think it's in second Samuel chapter six. It says, David became fearful of God that day and said, this chest is too hot to handle. (laughs) Stop. I don't like that translation, but this chest is too hot to handle, became fearful of God that day and said, this chest is too hot to handle. How can I ever get it back to the city of David? He refused to take the chest of God a step further And then when he realized that Obed-Edom was being blessed because he had left the ark there, then he brought it back. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I'm curious what your translation says, but it was the first time that was like, then David became fearful of God. It's like they had been friends. Yeah. Up to that point. So mine actually, I kind of loved this section because it made David feel really human to me. Like it was like, oh, he is a regular person and he has regular human feelings. Um, because mine says that David came, David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Isaiah because Isaiah is the guy that reaches Uh, out to catch the ark. So like David got angry because of God's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, and that I, when it said, when I read that, I was like, oh good. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one that's mad about this situation because (laughs) Isaiah Yes. It's, it seems a reflex. Like, yes. And it yes. seems like a very innocent, like a normal response. Like the, the chest is wobbling. jostle and he reaches out to make sure the Ark of the Covenant doesn't tip over. That's how it reads. And God is like, nope. And strikes him down. Yes. Which we know is the typical response when you touch the Ark of the Covenant and you're not a priest. That yes. is not 
information, but this feels like a different situation. My response when I read that was, yikes, that seems a little bit harsh. And so David felt the same way because then because of that, David's like, nope, I don't want anything to do with this thing. I don't want this ark in my city. So he sends it to Obed-Edom's family. Mm -hmm. And then when he finds out how much blessing it's bringing to them, he's like, Oh, oh never mind. I'll take that. Bring it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I just really appreciated David in this passage because he felt so normal to me because up until this time, he's been so larger than life. You know what I mean? With too much. Yeah. Like, always going to the Lord first and doing all of these things. And this was just a reminder that he was not perfect and human. Yeah. For me, it doesn't really highlight his imperfection as much as it is our relationship with God is constantly changing, right? We see him as this kind of, it's a friendship. It's awe. It's impacted by our circumstances. Yeah. I guess often impacted by our circumstances, but it just seems like it's just been an easy friendship an implicit trust between David and God all through his life. And then David is like, oh, mm-hmm. like you're holy. There are things I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You're your demand for holiness is unreasonable. You know, like, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's beyond my reason, I can't. Yes. Yeah. That whole scene with the Ark of the Covenant is like one more in the long list of things where God's foolishness is yeah. greater than my wisdom. Like I cannot even comprehend the measure of God's holiness. Yeah, like I cannot even comprehend that some innocent act is too much for God's holiness unreasonable like his holiness is unreasonable will probably stay with me like i'll be thinking about that for a while hi i just wanted to take a quick break to let you know about a couple of great resources we have for you first did you know that we have two podcasts i know it's confusing but we have this one the recap where we highlight our takeaways from the bible reading plan But we also have one called the Dive Collective Podcast, on which we highlight the gifts and talents and stories of our members. We have three great interview episodes already up, but we have more coming soon. So you're going to want to access those on both Google and the Apple Podcast platforms. We also have a couple of excellent free Bible reading resources on our website at divecollective.org. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get weekly emails with a devotion to start your week and a free download of the Bible reading plan. And we also have a dive guide in the shop. So check the shop out too while you're there. So head on over to divecollective.org to grab your free resources soon. So right before that, this was just something, I think this was partly my translation that made it stick out. The end of five, David asks God if he should attack the Philistines and God says, yes. So David defeats them and says, like a bursting flood, the Lord has burst out against my enemies before me. Therefore he named that place. The Lord bursts out. And I just Mm. love, I liked that word picture. I looked it up in ESV and it's similar. It was more like a flood breaking through idea, but when we consider the Lord of armies and just what that looked like for David, that the Lord just repeatedly, like this wasn't the only time either that the Lord bursts out to defend and save. So good. And then at the end of four, so we Mm. talked a second ago about how David was this man who was always going and inquiring Mm -hmm. of the Lord. He has these men who go, and I'm going to get all the names mixed up because they're crazy names, but um, David's men go and they try basically to get vengeance for David and they go and they kill this man, Ishbosheth, who was Saul's son. 
And they come back and they tell David and he's like, that is not what I wanted you, you to insane? do. Like, yeah, what, Have I don't you not know been what, watching me all this time? Yes. And it just made me think so much about how these guys, that contrast between David going and inquiring of the Lord and God telling him, yes or no, do this. And these men just taking it into their own hands without any thought of what God wanted them to do. Because I get what they did, like mm-hmm. from a human thought process, what they did was like, they thought they were, you know, defending David and proving that they're on his team. And David was just like, what are you doing? God was with David in that inquiry. David inquired and God led. And just how those two go hand in hand. Like if we're not asking, it makes it a lot harder for God to lead us because we're not listening. Yes. I shared a little bit, I think in our Bible study on Tuesday, like in my quiet time, I, I, I'm learning about how much I go to him for instruction. Like he was, and he was kind of like, you know, you come to me with this a lot. Seek my affection before my instruction is what he said. It's funny because I've been just watching that in David and totally Mm -hmm. admiring that the way that he's constantly asking, like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What's next? What's next? What's next? And not that that is in any way a bad thing. I've been really meditating on David's, the amount of time that David spent alone as a shepherd the advantage that David had was he already, I think he was secure in God's affection for him. I think he mm-hmm. spent so much time alone and he spent that time, I think, really meditating and dwelling with God and he was aware of God's affection for him. And so, and I think about that with Jesus, you know, when Jesus spends time with his father alone, I imagine that's what he was doing really was in his, in his father's love, in his presence, yeah, just knowing basking, how much, yeah. yeah, basking in his father's love. And that then he went about his business and he knew what he was supposed to, he knew it was easy to be obedient because God was leading him along the way, moment by moment. My prayer consistently for a couple of weeks has just been like more love, like give me the capacity to understand your love for me, like more capacity. Cause I know you love me. I know it's in my head, but I want it to a greater degree in my heart. And I need you to make that capacity to understand it bigger that leads me to first Corinthians this week was there's, he spends a long long section talking about all of the ways on all of the things that are totally and completely and utterly worthless. If it's not love, you know, love Mm -hmm. has to be the source of everything. If if it's not the source of anything, it's then everything is nothing. And um, no matter what gifts we have, no matter how, how amazing those gifts may seem, they're nothing without love. Kind of a train of thought in that, like, I can't do anything out of love if I don't have the well filled of love to pull from, you know? Mm-hmm. So give me the capacity to understand your love for me. Anyway, that's where I'm at personally. And that's kind of, those were the highlights, both from first Corinthians and from first Samuel. But actually there's this cool passage in first Corinthians that I want to quote. And then I'm actually pretty much done with my highlights for the week. So it's in the part where he's talking about roles of men and women, Mm -hmm. which is so great because it's like, no matter where you land on that, this is beautiful. It's chapter 11, starting in verse 13. Again, it's something about Eugene Peterson's translation that gives it a whole new perspective. But he says, don't you agree there is something naturally powerful in the symbolism A woman, her beautiful hair reminiscent of angels, praying in adoration. A man, his head bared in reverence, praying in submission. I was like, that's 
lovely. Yeah, that is a lovely twist on that passage <laughs> for sure. Yeah, maybe I should read several of these passages from First Corinthians this week in Eugene Peterson's words. <laughs> My help. That would probably make them easier to swallow. <laughs> This passage doesn't really trip me up so much. If I remember correctly, in the other uh, in the other versions, this is a passage where, to me, it makes sense um, in the context of what he's talking yes. about. Yeah. So and it's in the not, culture. Yeah, exactly. It's not really hard for me to understand what the mm-hmm. point that he's making. But I think, and I think this actually that line right there is part of where it all sort of came together for me too, where I realized he's talking about the symbolism. I actually really enjoyed reading through chapter fourteen. That's a passage where, especially from the background that I come from, that whole giftings passage. Oh, yeah. There are lots of ways to interpret that. And there are lots of Christians who differ on what they believe about spiritual gifts, Mm -hmm. these in particular. But the whole gist of it was, it's not about you. Yeah. Like, you guys are making these gifts about you, and it is not about you. The whole purpose of this is for building up the church. The reason God's giving these gifts is, and he says that at the end of, uh, in the middle of 14, seek to excel in building up the church at the end Mm -hmm. of verse 12. He actually differentiates them. Your intimate prayer language is for your edification. The church is for the edification of the body as, yes, don't do anything that's going to distract from that. Right. That prayer language thing, that's not, like, that is personal between you and God. Mm-hmm. Which then is kind of like, why, why would you even, like, why is there even a, this is where, like, God is so unreasonable. Because it's like, why would you even provide an option for using a prayer language that has to be interpreted? Like, if it's supposed to be said, why can't it just be? You know what I mean? Like, why is there even oh, an yeah, option for using a prayer valid language? Valid question, using, especially t- from the background that I come from. Like, yeah. just don't use it. It's personal. Keep it between you and God. Like, that's yeah. kind of where, and I am, like, I think I've said this to you before, having read through scripture this year, there are some big questions for me about what all of that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me reading this was that, whatever side you end up on, like however Mm -hmm. you approach this passage and interpret Mm -hmm. it, the point is that it's supposed to be edifying and building up to the church. And Paul even says, okay, so in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. So he's like, this Mm -hmm. is, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't make you better if you that's the point too because that's what they were doing like is they were trying to like one up each other in their spiritual gifts, which is so disgusting. Yes. That's what Paul's addressing is like, what are you doing? And so you come from that background and I come from a background where I've, I've attended all the churches except the ones where they handle snakes. So <laughs> I've seen it all and I've definitely been in a church. I've seen where everybody's speaking it in tongues all at once. And I've gone like, this is not like, I, could, I couldn't yeah. bring my friend. I would never bring an, an unbelieving friend to this situation. Why would I do that? And so without even having studied, this was early on in my walk without even having studied this passage, it didn't, I didn't need to be taught that, you know, mm-hmm. it was one of those, like, this is not helpful to me right. or to anybody that 
would want to know Jesus. Right. And um, that idea, like he says that in here, I think that God is a God of order. So do it. Yes. At the end of 14, God is not a mm-hmm. God of disorder, but of peace. Mm-hmm. Be organized about the way that you're doing yeah. this. Like that thing that you just described is pretty chaotic. No and I've happens. told you too, that I've attended a church too, where it's done so beautifully, like where the, yeah. like, it's a very conservative church, but like the gifts are being used and they demand or they demand that they be done according to scripture. If somebody speaks out in tongues, they wait for an interpretation. And there is one. It's like maybe once or twice a year, you know, or whatever. Like it doesn't, it's just not like this thing where we worship the gifts. That's the thing. That's mm-hmm. what becomes yes. when the gifts become the thing of worship. It's we've completely lost track of Jesus and it's all, yes. all of church. Is supposed to be Jesus, 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 Jesus. So, yeah. and all of the gifts point to that. If they're not pointing to that. Right. Then you should. There's something wrong. Pause. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. I have studied that passage a lot when I was trying to figure out what all of this was. It was a crazy journey. Um, I loved his conclusion or part of this conclusion at the end of first Corinthians in verse 13 of 16, he says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Yes. I just like, I'm like, well, there you go. There you have it. That's kind yes. of like, how, um, like when I read Lamentations after Jeremiah, I was like, well, that's a nice, like short and sweet wrap up of the whole book. Of <laughs> this is yes. like a short and sweet wrap up first Corinthians in a nutshell. Yes. Be alert stand firm, courageous, strong, and do everything in love. Yes. Um, So for me, this is not a wrap up of the book, but I have a giant amen next to it at the end of chapter 15, verse 58, where Mm. it says, with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. That's good. I need that right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm going to probably write that in my, the translation of that in my margin. That's good. Do you have anything in Ezekiel? I actually underlined a ton of stuff in Ezekiel, 8 Mm -hmm. through 14. I think I definitely have one thing that has stuck in my mind since I read it. Okay, so at the very beginning in chapter Mm 8 from this week's reading, the second half, he's talking, this is like a vision. God is talking to Ezekiel he's having him look at Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and he keeps seeing these different scenes Mm -hmm. and telling him that you're going to see even more detestable acts. Like it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. So as I'm reading, I just keep waiting for them to be like doing something terrible, something appalling. You know what I mean? Like that would happen Mm. in the time of the judges or just some awful act. Well, everything is any is worshiping anything other than God. So the first thing in verse five, I looked to the north and there was this offensive statue north of the altar gate. They're doing, so they're like, there's this statue, like a, like Mm -hmm. an idol there. Okay. So then he's like, you're going to see even more detestable acts. So then he goes to the entrance of the court and he looks through the hole in the wall and there engraved all around the wall was every kind of abhorrent thing, crawling creatures and beasts and idols of the house of Israel. Mm. And they're standing before them and they're offering incense mm-hmm. to these idols. God okay. says, you're going to see worse yet. And then he goes to the entrance of the North gate and there are women weeping for Tammuz, which I think is 
a god. I'm not sure. I should have looked that up. Then he goes to the inner court and there are 25 men at the entrance with their backs to the Lord's temple and their faces turned to the east and they're bowing in the east mm-hmm. in worship of the sun. I just kept waiting for them to be doing, but everything, all of these detestable acts that keep getting worse and worse and worse is all wrapped up in the fact that they were worshiping something other than God. It's it doesn't same. get any worse than that. Yeah. It is, yeah. I think what you're saying though is I read it like we were going to see like a worse abomination. And like what you're saying is that there is no worse, but what he was actually saying is, oh, it's, it, it gets better. Like <laughs> it just keeps going. Like, yeah, they just keep, yeah. Keep watching. It's just going to get, yeah. it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. yeah. It's everywhere. So then chapter nine, what I actually underlined and I had questions about or thoughts about in chapter nine, what I love is he brings this man um, in this vision. There's a guy dressed in linen who goes about carrying a writing case and he goes and he marks all of the people whose hearts are grieved for what's going on. And so then all of this um, punishment is dealt out to all of these people whose hearts are totally turned from God, but these people are spared. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know that totally to me harkens to like the seal that will be put on, like that they talk about that will all be sealed in the end. We are sealed with the Holy spirit, but that like will be marked. Mm -hmm. God will know those whose hearts are for him. Makes me think about like being spared and depending on how you think through (laughs) eschatology. Um, And I don't know what I think about it anymore, but like, but I, I do see these calamities coming, you know, all around us and thinking like, it's not that we're not going to suffer, but he sees us in the middle of it. Like he's, he's marked us. He's, he's aware of us. He's aware of each one of us and where we are in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And um, one way or another, he's going to bring us through it. Um, so anyway, that's just, I, that felt like a huge foreshadowing to all those scriptures that talk about that. Yes. Being sealed. So I was okay. kind of wondering, I was like, I wonder if that's Jesus, the man oh, dressed man. in linen, oh. in the writing case. Interesting. Okay, so that makes me think about 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. It says, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Yeah. Just that, what you're talking about, how God knows who his children are. He knows his people. Our hope in him is not for this life only. If that was all it is, then we're... It's wasted. Right. Yeah, And so just that recognition that our hope in Christ carries us through all of that to the thing that to the next life to the thing that is even bigger and more meaningful and more valid even than what we experience here you know that yeah I don't know whether this was in my reading this week or if it was a dream I had it's all I can't remember where I saw or where I read it but I feel like I was reading about what happens at the end when it's all, when judgment comes and is done, that Jesus will step down and God will take his, and God will take his place as ruler of all. Did I make that up? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I do not. Like that is not, oh, wait, 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 wait. Because Jesus is here, 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 here. Where? I found it. (laughs) There is, okay. First Corinthians 15. This is where I thought you were going. There's a nice symmetry in this. Death initially came by a man and resurrection from death came by a man. Everybody dies in Adam. Everybody comes alive in Christ, but we have to wait our turn. Christ is first, then those with him and his coming. 
the grand consummation when after crushing the opposition, his hands over his kingdom, he hands over his kingdom to God, the father, he won't let up until the last enemy is down and the very last enemy is death. Is that how he hands over the kingdom to God, the father. I think it's like they reign together. Jesus basically is the one that like comes and conquers everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, he also is the king. Like it's, I think it's, I don't know, maybe a way off. That's where their roles are blended, maybe a little bit as the Trinity, that they reign together and we reign together with him at the end. But yeah, mine says, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. Oh, here. And when everything and everyone is finally under God's rule, the son will step down, taking his place with everyone else, showing that God's rule is absolutely comprehensive, a perfect ending. What? Yeah. When everything is subject to Christ, then the son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him so that God may be all in all. That, yep, that makes me want to do some more digging. (laughs) Okay, that's really funny because I was like, wait, I know I read this, but this is not at all. Yeah, I always think of Jesus reigning as king. Which like in that sense, like I'm like, well, yeah, God too. You know what I mean? Like he is God. Yeah. Right. It's the same. Like Jesus. It totally messes with the like like, separate entity. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, this is one of those things where you're like, (laughs) I love, I love it so much. There was something else that happened. Oh, the whole like God's it's unreasonable like god's holiness is unreasonable like i cannot comprehend the fact (laughs) that god and jesus are one and yet right now jesus has subjected himself to god and is sitting at his right hand and then eventually he's gonna conquer everything and hand it over to he's alive to him again and yet they're still both god you know what i mean like yes and he doesn't know when he's coming right like what what i just (laughs) cannot that's one of those things it kind of makes me it's like this equal part annoyance and excitement. Like it annoys yes. me that I can't put my finger on it. But at the same time, like if I could put my finger on it, then God would not be God. If I could understand the things that God understands, then he is not yes. worthy of my worship. Amen. So like, Say it again. If I can understand all of the things that God understands, then it's not, there's no reason to worship him. He's not worthy of my worship. This is another one of those situations where I'm like, ugh. And then at the same time, this is so awesome. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.